the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. As we head into hour two of our daily three-hour tour, this is a terrible story, um, but it needs to be discussed. Many of you have e- many many of you have emailed it to me. I was on it, and uh, uh, overdose deaths far outpace COVID nineteen deaths in San Francisco. When I first saw this a couple days ago. I knew there was one person and one person only I wanted to talk to. She is the San Francisco expert, Erica Sandberg, widely published consumer finance reporter, uh, great pieces on San Francisco's um, homeless and crime and safety issues, especially at City Journal, one of our nation's great magazines. Erica, it's it's a terrible story, but thank you very much for for coming on and, and all the season's greetings to you as well. Thank you so much, Seth. This is a terrible, terrible story, but uh, it does need to be told. Yeah, so let's talk about it. Um, right, you are terrible story. First of all, let's let's put some numbers here. Six hundred on on the tree. Six hundred and twenty-one drug overdoses in San Francisco thus far this year. Right, which is an increase over last year by a couple hundred, isn't it? You are correct. As a matter of fact, we're averaging just about two per day. Two ODs, deathly ODs per day. Okay, so six hundred and twenty-one drug six hundred and twenty-one drug overdoses in San Francisco this year, um, as compared to one hundred and seventy-three COVID deaths this year. Headlines all over the place about how hard San Francisco is hit by COVID. Very few headlines until this week about the drug problem in San Francisco, except when you're I'm, writing. I should say. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely appalled. We we are burying the lead. Uh, that's really what this is. A, what this is, our drug overdoses, our fatal drug overdoses, are off the chart. They have been escalating every single year, and we have done nothing. What we have done has been so bad; it has actually increased the problem. Compare that to how we have dealt with COVID. And um, hey, look at the numbers. You know the, the difference between. 621, we're going to be edging probably more close to 650. I'm going to guess. I I would guess. Uh, And and by the way, I don't have this in front of me. I know the drug issue pretty well. I know the COVID issue a bit, uh, having written a lot on both. But I'm going to guess that the 400 who died last year, 400 plus who died in San Francisco last year, the 600 who died of drug overdoses this year in San Francisco, I'm going to guess the average age is going to be far less than 70. I'm going to actually guess that it hits far more youthful or younger population than the COVID deaths. And I'm going to guess, too, that you may not agree with me, but I'm going to guess, too, that um, the city did not shut down its schools over drug deaths or turn its restaurants uh, workers out of work or put people out of work over its drug death. I'm going to guess it didn't shut down its economy over drug deaths. I'm just guessing. Uh, excellent. Yeah, you are more than correct. <laughs> yeah, no, we are, we are not taking this seriously whatsoever. Um, it, 
we have essentially sacrificed the youth of America, the youth of San Francisco. A lot of people who are dying are young. Yeah. They're under the age of 30. Right. And on the drug issue, on office. the drug overdose deaths. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. They're not important. Because if they were important, we would take a different action. We would analyze the situation. We would say, obviously, what we're doing is not working. So far, we're going to change. We haven't. I'm trying to remember the last time I talked to you, uh, but I don't remember if it was about your deathly compassion piece or not. But talk to us about it, because you're telling me that they're making the problem worse in San Francisco, which I know they are. Uh, Talk to me about that. Sure. Um, we've made harm reduction into a religion. In fact, I call it, go so far as to call it a cult uh-huh. because it is it, it is a, a philosophy and a policy where instead of concentrating on helping people be, get clean, become sober, become uh, independent, yeah. both physically and financially, what we have done is we have created a dependency. We have said you're going to be doing drugs. We're going to help you do them in a less lethal way. We're going to make. We're going to give you all the the, the um, paraphernalia that you need or want, from straws to, to and foil for your fentanyl to syringes. They're giving it out. Let, let, let's speak. I, I want to underscore this: the city, the mm-hmm. government, is giving out the paraphernalia needed to use drugs. If you oh, had if you yeah. had a gun problem, it would be effectively giving out guns. That is a great analogy. That is a great analogy. Exactly. So, it would, it, so you, you can actually make the, the comparison to say, look, we have a lot of gun deaths. They're yeah. terrible people. Shouldn't be dying when they are, right? So in order, in order to, to solve it, let's make sure everyone's got the proper ammunition. Yeah, or the proper, or, or the proper gun. Let me give you a thirty two revolver instead of uh, a high-capacity magazine uh, rifle. Yeah, I get it. That's right. And we'll do it with a smile. I get it. San Francisco used to be just such a beautiful city, Erica, and um, that's part of the problem here, too. Uh, But talk. I was amazed. I was amazed at the stories you were writing about them. Your friend, I think friend, at least colleague Heather MacDonald had a piece on how San Francisco is hostage to the homeless. Talk to me about this. I mean, this is a huge problem in a city that has no shortage of wealth, as I recall it. Talk to me it's about a beautiful, It's a beautiful city, one that I am actually proud to be a resident of. And I will fight for it for as long as I possibly can. I'm not, I have no intention of leaving. But what I do have um, is a commitment to helping stop this scourge of um, people who are living on our streets in terrible conditions. They're in just, dis- just despair. Um, and they flood in. They come. And it's because we have the best services. We've got great people who want to help them do what? Get a tent, get the drug, drugs they want, uh, turn a blind eye to all the drug dealing. We, uh, we give them food. We give them services. We give, we give and give and give and give and give. And what it has happened is we have created this, this society of people who live on our streets and aren't living out of them. They're not becoming uh, independent. They're not getting better. They're getting worse. And we're getting more and more of them every day. Our numbers are increasing. Once again, whatever it is that they're doing, they're doing it wrong. Otherwise, we would have declining numbers. But no, 
so it's devastating. We have to change. We absolutely have got to completely change everything that we're doing. Everything that we've been doing so far needs to be the opposite. It needs to go into opposite land. As I'm told from some um, very wealthy liberal friends who live in San Francisco, we do have a homeless problem because we have an affordable housing shortage. This is the biggest piece of baloney, isn't it, Erica? Nonsense. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, housing certainly is here. It's expensive. Actually, it's a lot less expensive now than it used to be yeah, um, because of COVID. Right. Um, we have actually turned we have turned our backs on modular housing, which is incredibly inexpensive to build. We could, we could do it practically overnight. could go up like mushrooms. Other communities have done it. Um, what's stopping there? labor union mm-hmm. who said no you know if it's, we, we want to work therefore this is the sound of work like i understand people want to work but if we what's not important to us right now is it to help people into housing that is inexpensive okay then there's a solution we're not taking them up on it but housing first is not always the solution anyway people have underlying issues that need to be solved we put people into ho- into hotel rooms and say good luck to you they're dying inside the hotel rooms of overdoses because they still have the substance abuse issues. We're not solving any problems. What is this drug users union you've written about? Tell us about the drug users union. The drug users union is a, an offshoot of the Department of Public Health yeah. that San Francisco has. And their main objective is harm reduction. It is to make sure that drugs are People are going to do them, and they've got no judgment against it. But if they're going to do them, they're going to do them safely and happily, and they're going to go to parties, and they're going to look out for their friends who could be overdosing. And, oh, my goodness, if they are overdosing, please whip out that narcotic and use it. That's what it is. It truly is a, a meeting people where they are, which is if they are they have a substance use issue, go to them and help them do their drugs. And I'm putting lots of air quotes safely. Uh, Obviously, it's not I, safe. I, can you stay one more segment? I've got to take a quick commercial break because I want to talk to sure? I want to talk about this experience you wrote about a little while ago. An empty backpack. You went to one of these places with an empty backpack. You left with 170 needles. I'm talking to Erica Sandberg, and um, she is she is our expert. She is the expert on San Francisco, particularly homelessness and crime. You can follow her work online, of course by visiting her website at ericasandberg.com. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I'm delighted to have Erica Sandberg with us. She's a widely published consumer finance reporter based in San Francisco, an expert on San Francisco, especially on issues having to do there with homelessness, crime, and safety. Her website is ericasandberg.com, blessedly easy. Erica, um, I-, I wanted to talk to you about your experience when you started examining, and you wrote about it in City Journal, your experience when you started examining uh, what these advocate ad- advocacy, homeless and drug advocacy organizations were, were doing. T- you, you, went, you went to some of them, and you had a heck of an experience. Tell, tell us about that. I did. I was really frustrated because I didn't know what was happening um, regarding the the 
harm reduction places that people can go and they can pick up their supplies. So I thought, well, I need to find out. Mm-hmm. what. How does one go about doing this? What, what's the actual experience? Mm-hmm. So I threw on a baseball cap and a mask, of course. You know, just today, that's what you have to wear anyway. And some sunglasses. No one could possibly have known who I was. Right. Some old clothes. And I went and I basically posed as, a, as somebody who had a drug issue. Mm-hmm. And so I went to three separate places. And they're essentially kind of doorways. Um, one is at a church as a Glide Memorial. And another one was uh, South of Market, which is a, just like a kiosk. Mm-hmm. And then another one was in another part of San Francisco. Um, I stood in line with the other people who were waiting for their drug paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. And it was such a bizarre experience. And I thought, well, I don't even know what to ask for. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll just sort of, like, sort of figure it out when I get there. And so I was pretty jittery because I... I Again, I was a little bit nervous. Well, who wouldn't be? I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So when it was my turn, I just kind of stood there, and the the nice person said, well, what is it that you'd like? And there was literally a menu of options. It was syringes, all different types. It was foil. There were straws. It was, uh, you name it, they had it. They even had a daily special with what you can get, like a grab bag pack kind of thing. It was utterly bizarre. So I just stood there for the first time, and I, I just sort of shrugged my shoulders. And she said, you don't know what you want? And I said, I, I, I don't know. She goes, how about some needles? And I said, okay. They started suggesting needles. Okay, they suggested they, did. they suggested they did. what the most popular items on the menu are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I went to, as I said, I went to three separate places. And she, they, no, no one asked me my age. No one asked what was my problem, if I needed any other type of help. They didn't ask if I was an emotional. Um, Did they suggest uh, what, a 12-step meeting or um, no. any kind of rehab? No, not one of them did. Wow. Not one of them did. And quite frankly, I looked like I was in distress. Yeah, I would I gather. I mean, you already said you're shaking and you don't know yes. exactly what you yes. are doing. And Yeah, yeah. That is correct. And with the three places I went, I, without with barely even uttering a word, I walked away with, 170 syringes ready for you. 170. It was insane. I, I when I when I left, I I was actually shaking more when I left because I thought this is yeah, this yeah. is so wrong. It's so wrong um, because it's not doing any good. Well, it's it's not, it's, I, it's increasing the number of. Drug overdose deaths in San Francisco every year. That's what it's doing to the point where now there are six times this year the number of drug over five and a half times the number of drug overdoses in San Francisco as there are COVID deaths. That's where we're at. Absolutely. Look at the numbers. They don't lie. Those are the numbers. And it's not just the people who are already perished. We're looking at people who are near dead. Yeah. Walking dead. Yeah. Walking dead. Yeah. And what do we do for them? What do we do? Well, we're not we doing rehab. No we're giving them. We're no. giving them the paraphernalia to complete the project of death. Correct. Correct. Um, my only conclusion at this stage is the city of San Francisco simply doesn't care. Right. I mean, you have to conclude that because again, I, I, you know, you're known for your marketing and journalistic expertise. I'm going to throw you in the field of psychology for a second. Can you get behind the psychology that says we're going to turn our city upside down and inside out to protect 75-year-olds, but we're going to do 
everything wrong to increase the number of deaths of 30 and 40 year olds? It's driven by ideology. Okay. So what's most important is that they have this idea that this makes sense. This is what they like. Mm-hmm. It's not driven by results. They're not taking a look at it and saying, gosh, is this working? It doesn't appear to be working. They've got this plan, and they're going to follow through with it, no matter what. And that's why I say it's like a cult, because there is no attention to, what do we hear these days? The science! Right. If, <laughs> if the science was dictating our, our response, we wouldn't be doing that. You know, this all is attended by a series of actions on COVID that has increased overdose deaths everywhere based merely on what it's done to people, right? So on the one hand, you you almost have a toxic confluence or a perfect storm, if that's the better metaphor. You have on the one hand, the government highly engaged and energized to maximize the output of drug paraphernalia for drug users and addicts. While at the same time, it's engaging in policies, isolation, self-imposed economic recession, depression, all of the things that we know create the opportunities for and the ideation for depression, um, uh, uh, drug use, substance abuse, um, lapsed recoveries, by the way, closing down congregate meetings, churches, 12-step meetings. I mean, it's it's it seems to me, Erica, that. If there's any honest historians left a decade out, they're going to look back at this the way we look back at the worst moments in our history and the worst decisions we've ever made. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be one where we hang our heads in shame. Yeah. That how do we allow this to happen? Right. Um, how do we close down the world, our cities, our commerce? Uh, how do we hurt so many people when we were trying to save them from COVID, but we ignored people who were dying miserable, miserable deaths? Um, it's in, it's just it's insane, and it really will be. I, I, I do love history. I was watching a program on uh, one of my many programs on the Holocaust, and it's, it is going to be one of those situations where we look at the footage we say, how did we? How did we do this? Yeah. How did we do this? Yeah. What's wrong with us? Yeah. Follow the scientists. I do believe that. Follow yeah. the scientists. That's how we did it. And some of them are political, and some of them are medical, and they're not making good decisions, and they're harming the young um, in an effort to save the aged. And it's um, it's a devastating thing. These lives are no less worthy of being saved than any other well, lives. And I think that needs to be shouted from the rooftop. Yeah. These lives are important. You bet. These are important you bet. people. These are our people. We're These are our citizens. Like they are. Makes yeah. you want to cry. It really yeah. does. I mean, it's the first time I've been emotional on this show in a long time. It really is a sad... Erica Sandberg, bless you for your work, your time, and thank, thank you, you for doing this for us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Seth. And you have an amazing holiday season, okay? You do the same, dear. Thank you. EricaSandberg.com is her website. Follow her. Get smart. We'll be right back. If you're like me and do any uh, online shopping, you know uh, that um, it's that shipping cost that just kind of nails at you. I, I hate it. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love the deal Balance of Nature is offering. Not only are they giving you 35% off 
any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies, they're giving you free shipping. Free shipping for a great product that, especially this time of year, is all the more necessary. Ten servings of fruits and veggies every single day, all organic, no chemicals or GMOs, all the fruits and veggies picked at the peak of ripeness, sourced from 31 different fruits and vegetables, powerful stuff. And vegetarian capsules, just take them once a day, and you're doing amazing things for your energy, your health, your immunity, your vitality. Give Balance of Nature a call at 800-2468-751 or visit them online at balanceofnature.com and use discount code BALANCE. I take them every single day. Um, If you missed my monologue, it was about what we teach our children. And um, I noticed uh, John Hinderock over at Powerline had a piece up, what we teach our children as well. Um, So I was curious, is there anything more important than how we raise our children, how we educate them, how we tell them what the world is like, who we are, and where we came from? I don't think so. And leftists don't think so either, which is why they took over our public school systems long ago. Such an important point. We need to be as concerned about our children as the left is. And it's funny because they go after them intellectually. They really do. They really do, as I detail in... um, in my monologue, but John has a detail out of Minnesota that'll blow you away. Um, Minnesota law creates a process whereby a committee produces standards to be followed by the public schools in each academic discipline. This year, the social studies standard, which always tend to be the most controversial, is up for revision. As you would expect, leftists dominate the committee that produces the standard. (coughs) Excuse me. <clears throat> at his Center for the American Experiment, they looked at the draft social studies standards, world U.S. history. Um, it's, it's, it's the benchmarks that are amazing. World War I benchmarks on the social, political, and economic causes of the war, nations involved, major political and military figures, key battles. World War II benchmarks, same, same. Um, there are no benchmarks on... Uh, Nazis or Jews when it comes to the Holocaust. American Revolution, you'll like this, benchmarks on timeline of the major events and turning points of the revolution, including the involvement of other nations and the reasons for American victory, identifying historically significant people. Minnesota, it, it's, it's, um, it's to make you cry, but it's to make you have to do the hard work of getting involved on these school boards and committees. Until we do it, I, I was privileged uh, this morning to be um, to do a taping with Bill Bennett for his weekly podcast that airs when Thursday, I guess it he unveils it Thursday. And we were talking about several things that I wanted to raise with you. One of them is schooling going forward because we're losing so much of this battle over the curriculum. Is homeschooling going to um, increase dramatically? It has a little via COVID. It's interesting. Um, COVID, more than anything else, has changed homeschooling. I want the curriculum to change homeschooling. Now, it is fair to say some parents learned through COVID what the curriculum was their students were getting and engaged in some admixture of blended learning that includes homeschooling and some went to homeschooling full on. the the libertarian case for school choice is good if 
if, if and only if the private schools are good and not all of them are. A lot of them are as bad or worse than some of the public schools. A lot of them are. Look at what I said about the Dalton School in New York. It's the most ritzy private school in New York, I think. $50,000 a year for elementary education. It's the school that gave you the likes of, you know, Anderson Cooper types. Um, And what they're doing with their curriculum makes you think you are um, in the Soviet Union or, I guess, uh, Shenzhen province today, Shenzhen province today. So it's not just vouchers. It's not just vouchers. It's the curriculum. It's a lot like my case about local control. People say local control is better. Give the power to the states. It's not always better. Depends who's in control of the local boards and the local systems of government and the governor. I I, I don't know that California's idea of education is better than Betsy DeVos's. In fact, I'm pretty sure it isn't. Local control, state control isn't the answer either. It's the curriculum and the quality of teacher. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. I'll be right back. Welcome back. If you're um, in the real estate market as a buyer or a seller, home buyer or seller, I want you to call my friend James Wexler of JMG Real Estate, ranked the number one selling individual agent in Arizona by the Phoenix Business Journal. Over 500 five-star reviews, unheard of. 500 five-star reviews, over that amount. He guarantees to sell your home at market value or pay the difference, and he can also make you an upfront guaranteed offer on your home within 24 hours if that's more convenient to you. Give him a call at jameswexler.com. At, uh, well, that's his website. You can visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's jameswexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com, or give him a call at 480-386-0711. Really good man. Karen's in Phoenix. Hello, Karen. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I didn't realize you would take me so quick. Oh, so, well, you you, you came up as on topic of great interest to me. So, Oh, well, I'm, I'm a teacher, but I wasn't always. I had another profession when my kids were young. My parents were immigrants from World War II, and um, it was hard for me, and I didn't want my kids to struggle, so I chose to put them in private school here. It was a big financial struggle for us. Um, and it wasn't good. Yeah. And I was very happy to hear you say that. It was here in Phoenix. Yeah. It was a very prestigious school. We had financial aid. Mm-hmm. Wow, were there problems. And my kids were treated very poorly. Um, my son was not treated well. The board was controlled by the wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it wasn't a fair system. And um, I later went into education, and I know about the problems in public education. You know, what was better about the private school? You had sw- a swimming pool. Yeah, um, sure. Do you understand where I'm going here? I do. And, the pe- and it wasn't really education. You know what makes good education? It's the person, the kid, that has a lot to do with it. It's the kid, and, I, and it's the quality of the teacher. I think I yeah. would also say the quality of the principal. 
the responsiveness of a school to parents' concerns yep. and the curriculum. Right. I, 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 you know, it's not that but, complicated. But you can be. But ideology can ruin it. By the way, ideology can ruin really? all of that. You can have a great like, ideology I've, and crap. Sorry for my French. I've taught no. I've taught very high level to a lot of poor students. But you can't always do what you want. No, I get that. Sure. And they tie your hands no. in the public school, and I'm mm-hmm. sure in the private too. Um, and people don't see that. And there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. They want you all to be the same. Yeah. Everyone has. No, to it's be changed. Yeah, no, it's it's definitively changed. And this, you know, all these great speeches and appeals to. You know, teaching kids to be creative, that's not what they want. Well, there is some of that, but everybody has to have the exact same stuff in their classroom. But you have to follow the standards, certainly, but Mm -hmm. even more, you can't use some individuality as a teacher and do things to help kids in a different way. It used to go on more here. It doesn't as much anymore. Um, so when I, you when you when you became a teacher, uh, did you enter in the public system or the private? Oh, public. Yeah. And uh, okay. And in in that system, what is the biggest takeaway um, you got as the biggest problem in public education? What is it, or what are the top three? Um, well, it's changed the problems, but I would say one of the biggest problems is that. There is no parental input. Mm-hmm. Parents yep. don't want to do anything. Yep. That's the mark the of a good school. Yep. Um, the parents aren't expected to come in mm-hmm. and participate right. and help out. Right. And I'm not saying give your time for free all the time. No, but every parent is a teacher, and a good school welcomes parental sure. input. Yeah. yeah, and there are some schools here. Like I know the Unitarian Church, they used to have a preschool on Lincoln, you had to go in so many hours as a parent. I went to finish. summer camp there. I know exactly where you mean. It's actually mm-hmm. one of my favorite places in Arizona because yeah, they good. have these wonderful statues that were done by Waddell. Do you know the ones I'm talking about in the back of the desert there? Well, I know the school in the area. Yeah, the statues are – it's a tribute it's, it's, it's a tribute to a sad part of our history, but it's very well done. And I, Anyway, sorry. I, yeah. I, I no, that's okay. But um, I'd say that that has been a, a big problem. Um, but, I mean, now I see a lot of problems with administration. Um, it's more it's more glitz, and there's a lot of... Yeah, but the point favorite. that you called in a part, uh, on is, is right, isn't it? That, that just because it's private or costly doesn't make it better. It can be worse. No. It can be worse. Yeah. And a, a parent used to say, I remember him... Um, he'd say, oh, it might be better, but is it 10 times better? Because right. we were paying tuition sure. 10 times more. Sure. And, and and the people that went there, I learned, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. Some of them had the bodyguards in our state. You uh, know where I'm going. I, I do. I know um, what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And, and their kids were the worst. My son used to get so upset. He said the teachers would ask him to help the other kids with the computer. And he said, Mom, why are you paying for me to help the kids? <laughs> he came home. And then finally one day he came home and he said, get me out of here. Yeah. He insisted. He said, I want out of this place. I want to. Uh, I want to thank you for teaching and I want to thank you for sharing oh. this. And I want to say one other thing because I, I was only giving two 
or three options here, and I, gle- I neglected a fourth one um, that I was talking about homeschooling, if you can do it. I, I don't expect it to dramatically take off just simply because a lot of parents can't do it. They don't have the capacity or the time. Um, that's what can be problematic about that as being an, uh, um, an option that you take, as they say, to scale. Uh, but I also want to put in a word for charters. Some, some, so there are some very good charter schools um, in, the, in particularly this state, and uh, I, 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 I have heard wonderful things about and I know a little bit about some of them. But you've got to do your research as a concerned parent. You've got to do your research about the school. There are some good books about what to look for in a school. Um, you've just got to do it. And, um, and as a parent, you have to be involved. Even if you're not a parent, you have to be involved. I want you involved in school board committee decisions, folks. Even if you don't have a child, you're paying the taxes to support it. Even if you don't have a child, you're paying the taxes to support the school system in your neighborhood on the theory that is a pretty good theory, as theories go, which is that you want to live in a community that cares about educating its populace. Don't give up your say on it. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. The Hallmans will be in studio with us for the next hour talking COVID and, and politics. They are so interesting on other matters as well. If you have questions you want to throw at us, uh, we're all just a little bit different uh, on our outlooks. Um, but um, looking forward to visiting with them as always. There's no substitute for brains, a friend of mine once said. And boy, do the Hallmans have brains. Um I, boy, I hope the power of example holds here. I, something tells me it will not. Power of example, Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi, others. Dr. Deborah Burks, the coronavirus response coordinator, announced um, that she's going to retire, citing the criticism she received over the weekend for traveling to visit her relatives over the holidays when she went on record to say not to do that. She's another one. But she took responsibility, it looks like, I guess after it was discovered. Uh, National Review reports that um, Burks had gathered with extended family the day after Thanksgiving at her vacation home on Fenwick Island, Delaware, after urging Americans to gather for the holidays only with your immediate household not to travel. Quote, I will have to say as a civil servant, I will be helpful through a period of time, and then I will have to say this experience has been a bit overwhelming. It has been a very difficult time on my family. I think what was done in the past week to my family, you know, they didn't choose this for me. I've tried to be supportive, but drag, but to drag my family into this, I really don't like doing. Well, no, she, she, we didn't drag her family into this. She told every family in America what to do, first of all, start there. And then didn't do it herself. Now, again, I know everyone likes to shout hypocrisy, and that's there. But it's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is, as Adam Carolla said, it tells me they don't believe it. They don't believe what they're telling you. If they believed what they were telling you, they would not do it themselves if it was all as bad as they want you to believe it is. If they thought it was a good idea for them to stay healthy by not traveling, by not going out, by not going to a restaurant, by not going to a hair appointment, 
by limiting the number of people at their household, by not sending their kids to school. They wouldn't do it if they thought it was the healthiest thing for them. If you presume that they care about health, which I presume that they do, that's the profession they chose for themselves. Holman's coming right up. 602-508-0960. Be right back.